Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello to everyone gathered here, to everyone so watching or listening online. So glad that we can all be together in this way. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. We will be there in just a bit. In this mini-series on missions, we've been using Acts chapter 1 verse 8 as our theme where Jesus tells his disciples as they're about to launch out on their mission, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And we have over the past couple of weeks been reminded of how we are still participating in that mission initiated by Jesus through his first disciples. We are participating in God's mission to the ends of the earth as we support the Becks and their work in the Mediterranean Rim. And we are participating in God's mission in Judea and Samaria, those regions around us but not close to us. That's the work of the Vances in Regina, Saskatchewan. And our support for this mission work takes a variety of forms. We support them when we pray for them, when we encourage them from afar and up close, when they come to visit us, as we love it when they do, but also when we go to visit them. And of course, we also support them financially. And at the end of this gathering, Steve and Todd are going to come up and encourage and challenge us to continue to go all in with our support of God's mission, which is now our mission and the work that our mission workers are doing to support them by continuing to pray and encourage, but also by continuing to give. But before they do that, I'm going to take a few minutes and talk about how we, as a congregation, are participating in God's mission locally here in Collin County. This is our Jerusalem. And I'd like to begin with what is going to be a bit longer reading than usual from the Gospel of John. So let's look at John 1, beginning in verse 35. So John 1, beginning verse 35. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
And he first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the anointed. And then he brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. This is one of my favorite sequences in all the Gospels. It begins with John the Baptist or the baptizer pointing others, in this case, two of his own disciples, to Jesus. Now, it's unusual for a teacher or a leader to recommend that his followers go follow someone else. It's like a preacher sending people to another church. We just don't do that. Now, we do sometimes get together to discuss possible trades. All right, I'll give you two elders for a nursery worker and a worship leader to be named later. Okay, that sounds like a good deal. Let's do it. Call the commissioner. But here John is pointing his two disciples to Jesus. He says, that is the Lamb of God. Earlier in chapter one, John calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that sends off echoes of the Exodus. This is the Lamb of God who's going to bring about a second Exodus and rescue all the world from bondage to sin and death. And these two disciples of John follow, literally walk behind Jesus. They begin to follow him. And Jesus turns around, sees them there, and asks them, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? Some translations say, what do you want? A bit more direct. What do you want? What are you looking for? What are you seeking? And their response is, where are you staying? Because it does seem like an awkward response to that question. What are you looking for? Well, where are you staying? Like the question caught them off guard. Um, 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 well, where are you staying? But actually, I think it's an indirect way of them asking for hospitality. Like when you see someone eating something that looks pretty good and you say, hey, is that any good? What are you really doing? Can I have a bite of that? Where are you staying? Is there any room for us there? And Jesus says, come and see. And they do. They spend the day together. I assume eating together, drinking together, talking with one another, watching the cowboy game together, consoling one another after the cowboys lose because of missed extra points. Heaven forbid, hear our prayer. Whatever they do, after spending some time with Jesus, they came away convinced that he is the Messiah. And then they immediately begin to find others that they want to come and see, come and meet, come and spend time with Jesus as well. 
And then the next day after that happens, Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And Philip finds Nathanael and tells him, I think we found the one. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael is skeptical. Nazareth? Garland? Can anything good come from Garland? Nazareth? And Philip has the wisdom to simply say, just come and see. Sometimes the best way to respond to a skeptic is not to get in an argument or to offer them a book that they can read, but just to simply say, come and see for yourself and let Jesus do the rest. And sure enough, Jesus makes a believer out of Nathaniel. And if you continue reading in chapter one, you'll see that at the very end of the chapter, Jesus tells his first disciples as they're following him, he tells them, you're going to see some amazing things. He describes himself as a ladder or a stairway that is bridging the gap between heaven and earth. Like in Jacob's dream, back in way back in Genesis 28. Now, this initially appears to be a rather straightforward account of Jesus recruiting his first disciples. But in the Gospel of John, there's almost always a deeper meaning lurking beneath the initial surface reading. When Jesus turns around and he asks those first two disciples, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? Or what do you want? It's a direct question that's not always so easy to answer. Now, if a store clerk asks you, what are you looking for? Or if a barista at Starbucks asks you, what do you want? Then that's easy to answer. We know, we can say. But if it's a performance coach asking the question or a counselor or a therapist or a philosopher or a rabbi, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you want? What do you really want? The answer to those kind of questions can be much more difficult to put into words. Most English translations also obscure the deeper meaning of those two disciples' initial response, where are you staying? Another way to translate the word in the original language is, where do you abide? They ask him, where do you abide? And if you're familiar with the Gospel of John, you know that abide is a really important word in the Gospel of John. It occurs throughout. Jesus will use it at important moments in the Gospel. One is in John 15, when Jesus tells his disciples, you must abide in me or remain in me, stay in me. You must abide in me and my teachings as I abide in my Father. So abide in my love, he says in verse 9 and 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his 
love. When those two disciples ask, where do you stay or where do you abide? They're doing much more than asking where he sleeps or where he lives. They're asking about his relationship with God. And when Jesus responds by saying, come and see, he's offering much more than an invitation of hospitality to come and share a meal and come and spend a few hours visiting together. He's inviting them to come and see, to come and learn from him the answer to life's most important questions, to come with him and discover the meaning and purpose of life, which is found only in abiding in God's love in the same way Jesus does. When he says, come and see, he's inviting them to come and watch him bridge the gap between heaven and earth, God and humanity. Now, are these disciples aware that all of this is going on in this exchange as it's happening? Absolutely not. They don't have a clue. They think they're just talking about staying and hanging out and eating and following. They don't have a clue all this deeper meaning is there. But the longer they follow Jesus and the more they hear him teach and the more they meditate on what they hear him say and watch him do, the deeper meaning they will begin to see in all of their encounters and exchanges and conversations with Jesus. And most of it still doesn't click for them until after his resurrection. Then they're able to, in hindsight, look back on all of those conversations and say, oh, that, that's what he meant by that. That's what he was getting at. That's what was happening in that sequence. Have you ever had that experience where the fingerprints of God are all over a situation, but you can only see it in hindsight? Only looking back, do you realize, oh. And you say what Jacob said after his dream in Genesis 28. Verse 16, he wakes up, has this dream of a stairway leading into heaven, angels ascending and descending. And he says, oh, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Surely God was in that situation, in that encounter, in that conversation, in that invitation, and I didn't know it. So today I invite you to imagine having a similar conversation with Jesus. For a moment, imagine he turns around and looks you in the eye and he asks you, what do you want? What are you looking for? What are you seeking? And the way we answer that question depends largely on our circumstances. Different people are going to answer that question differently depending on what's going on in their life. The hungry want some food. The guilty are seeking forgiveness. The lonely are looking for some companionship. The depressed want some hope. The bored want something meaningful or interesting to do. And we know from other stories about Jesus that he's more than capable of providing all of those things and so much more. 
But then, after all of those initial fundamental needs, wants, desires are met, there's still something deeper. It's what we all really need to know is where Jesus abides. And more than that, what we all really need to know is how to abide in God's love the way Jesus does. And Jesus is never content to tell us. He wants to show us the way home to God. And so he says, come and see. Come and see what God is really like. You have all of these images of God in your head, and some of them are more destructive and more painful than others. Come, let me show you what the love of God looks like in action. Come and see, and I will show you what it's like to live in God, to abide in God, and to have God live and abide in you. This is Jesus' invitation to all would-be disciples. Come and see. And to all skeptics, come and see. To all seekers who have more questions than answers, come and see. And it's his ongoing invitation to you and to me. Come and see. And it's also the invitation that Jesus is extending to others through us, just like when Philip invited skeptical Nathaniel to come and see. And at the risk of sounding a bit old school, I still believe this is the best way for people like us in a congregation like ours to participate in God's mission locally here in Collin County. It's the best way. It's the simplest, best way as we invest ourselves in our community. As we invest ourselves, our lives, our resources, our time, our energy, our heart, our compassion in the lives of others, friends, family, neighbors, even enemies, as we become aware of their deepest needs, wants, and longings, as we begin to hear and understand their answer to the question, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? What do you want? We have the opportunity, like John the Baptist, to point them to Jesus. And we have the opportunity, like Philip to Nathaniel, to invite them to come and see. Come to this worship gathering and see. Can you think of someone you know that you could invite to this worship gathering? You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to debate them. You don't have to convince them of anything. All you have to do is invite. Just come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come to this worship gathering and see. Come to a gathering circle or a small group and see. Come to celebrate recovery and see. Or come to this special seminar or this special class or this special event or this party and see. 
come and see. And if the risen Christ is alive and well and active among us, we can trust Christ to do what he does best and reveal himself to those with open hearts and to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, God and humanity. One of my favorite definitions of evangelism is it's one beggar telling, or even better, one beggar showing another beggar where to find some bread. And as we are responding to the invitation of Christ to come and see, may we invite others to come and see what we're discovering in and learning from Christ. So now let's respond to the Lord's invitation and come to the table where we can feast on the bread of life and where we can drink the cup of salvation. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. Made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. Come, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long. Come, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, for it is the Lord, the Lord who invites you. And it is his will that those who want him and who want to be more like him should meet him here. Come to the table and see. We give thanks for this, the bread, the body of Christ, broken for you. And we give thanks this, the cup, the blood of Christ, shed for you. Lord, we ask that as we take this bread and cup, you use it to nourish our faith, strengthen our courage, and energize our spirit so that we will follow you closely and so that we, with great enthusiasm and confidence, will invite others to do the same. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.